Sometimes the Diet Coke hits a little extra hard when you get into mm-hmm. the morning. We're feeling live and wired, not Mountain Dew live no. wire, even though going to start us off, Brad. We're in episode 39. First off, how you doing today? And then I got a good yeah. question. Hey, I'm, I'm doing really well. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird week around here when the guys are out out of state filming or something like that. And not only that, but like Jason's out. So there's a lot of absences. And when there's a lot of absences, someone has to fill those voids. So to I've been running around like crazy, but still wanted to take some time for you all and throw some discs and, you know, no rain or snow this week, but did have 25 mile an hour winds throwing understable discs. So <laughs> the challenge is real, but we're, we're out here doing it. One one day we're gonna bring a guest on and they're gonna get like actual crazy solid feedback yeah. and it's gonna be like, hey, I threw this, but the curse is that when we mail you the disc, it's gonna be like every time that you want to throw that disc or you play courses mm-hmm. it fits, just the weather ends up being crazy on yeah. that course. Well, so, hey, the, let's yeah, they're weather way. tested, yeah. so you should get a really good idea in real conditions. We're not throwing these in a wind tunnel. I love it. I love it. But my question is, Brad. And question to the audience, are you a Mountain Dew guy at all, Brad? Like, you're a gamer to a degree, so I like to think at some point in your life you've consumed Yeah, I mean, unhealthy amounts when I was younger, for sure. There was, uh, do you remember Mountain Dew Pitch Black when it first came out? Bruh. That was, not the new one. The new one does not taste the same, or at least I don't Amen. feel like it does. Um, but yeah, original Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew Pitch Black was like all I consumed from probably age 16 to 17. Dude. I'm with that. I uh, I think, like, if I have to go, like, goaded Mountain Dew, it's going to be Baja Blast mm-hmm. above and beyond. But it feels cheating to say that because Baja is, like, a Taco Bell exclusive until they rarely pull mm-hmm. it out. But I'm with you. Pitch Black, Pitch Black up there, Livewire being number two for me. How do you feel about Code Red? Not, not a fan. Zero fan of Code Red. I, I don't. It's just not... I knew we were yeah. brothers. Any, any, like, pretty much any, if it's collared red and has a red flavoring, like a cherry or a watermelon or even a fruit punch, typically not for me. That's fair. I'm not an artificial cherry guy for sure. I, I don't, I can't really say that I'm a cherry guy in general, but no. yeah, especially artificial, no. I'm out. Well, we'll have to see what our guest thinks today. We have a really cool episode for you guys i think we'll we'll dive into it here in a second but i think this is going to be something that we haven't really had a guest like Mm -hmm. this since i really feel like episode four or something like that you're probably right so really exciting episode 39 let's bring philip in welcome to in the bag wow that was loud that That was very loud that is my bad to the listeners here we go welcome to the show (laughs) phil how you doing today man i'm doing great Come on. Thanks for having me on. Dude, Phil, what part of the country are you in? Uh, I live in Philadelphia. Awesome. Okay. For those of you who said we don't have any guests below the Mason-Dixon line, (laughs) here here you go. Welcome, Phil. Bang. Well, we also, guys, we had like a whole stretch where I feel like we had like four Canadians on in a row. Uh, That's true. By accident, completely. Yeah. Like I just kept saying like, oh, they got a cool bag. I'll bring them on. They got a cool bag. And then, oh yeah, they're actually neighbors. Uh, they share an apartment <laughs> together. It's crazy. Yeah. No. Yeah. So Phil, uh, dude, excited for our guests to get to know you. I, we teased it in the introduction. Your bag is so interesting to me. And I actually think that there's going to be a lot of people. I, 
I believe a lot of people are going to come back to this episode. You have a very unique bag. How many discs do you have in your bag? Uh, nine. And if I really push, I could probably fit a 10th distance driver, but it would be a tight squeeze. Wow. That is awesome. So for those of you who don't have the huge bag, or maybe you're operating, like I know lots of people do in like a dynamic disc trooper or something like that for the longest mm -hmm. time. And so we've been talking through these 15, 18, 25 disc bags and you're like, bro, <laughs> that ain't me. Mm -hmm. Um, Philip and I, Phil and I were talking over Instagram, uh, about this exact thing. And I was like, dude, why don't we just bring you on the show? So Phil, super glad we can make this work out. Very excited to dive into it. Um, man, just have a lot of concepts that I want to talk about, but we mm -hmm. need to get to know you as a player <laughs> before we do that. So first question, how long have you been playing? Uh, I started with the pandemic. Um, so spring of 2020. Okay. Awesome. So started so coming up on your three year anniversary. Yeah. That's crazy, <laughs> dude. Mm -hmm. Um I was just talking with my wife about like the channel being up and uh like what January's like and we were like, I guess we still don't have enough analytics because we've not been doing this long enough to be like, Oh, is this normal? Stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it's crazy. Y'all three years are little COVID golfers. So proud of y'all. Uh stick. We're like with toddlers it. now. We can walk, we can kind of talk. <laughs> yeah. Kind of throw distance drivers, maybe not for some of you know, it's fine. Uh, it just depends on how well your parents raised you inside That's of true. disc golf. So <laughs> awesome. Well, Lynn, when we talk about distance drivers, Phil, we say, Hey, you're standing up to a hole, you see golf distance shot. How far do you feel like your forehand and backhand golf distance are? Um and some of this is constrained by where I am because I play a lot of woods golf. So like my home course only has one open hole. Um, so I would say that I'm probably like a 275, 290 backhand. Um, forehand, really, the only thing I throw forehand is my zone. So 150, 175 to, to push that. Um, otherwise, it's backhand all the way. Okay. Awesome. That's super cool. So... Um... That'll, that will open up actually a lot of questions when we get to the top end of the back for sure. Yeah. So knowing that we put you on the putting green and we say, Hey, we got stack of 10 putters at 15 feet, 25 feet and 40 feet. How many are you making at each station? Uh, 15 feet and in, I'm, I'm pretty good. I would say 10 out of 10, um, 25 feet, probably six out of 10 and 40 feet, two or three. Okay. Yeah. So putting being a strong part of the game you might say is it what's yeah, the biggest I, strength of your game i think approach and putting is the strongest part of my game i think driving is probably where i have the most room for improvement okay that's awesome well when we're looking at this back these nine discs uh we definitely we're not looking to necessarily add anything i want to like compete with discs you currently have in there so um when we talk about Something we talk about a lot on the show is mold minimalization and finding that comfort. When you move to a nine disc bag, I want to go ahead and say from the beginning, I think that mold minimalization struggles in this kind of a bag because you need discs that are going to cover a multitude of shots rather than just like, hey, I've got this blank that covers the whole spectrum. So... I think that's very curious. We're going to start with your putters. Uh, you have 
three putter, three and a half putters in the bag, we'll call it. Uh, are you a zone as a mid range or are you a zone as a putter or ride the line? We'll just call it an approach disc. How do you feel about that? I would definitely say that <clears throat> I ride the line and call it an approach disc. Um, maybe leaning a little bit more to a mid range. If it's a shot that has to finish to the right, I'd rather push it with my zone sometimes than try to turn something over and get it to finish that way. Um, but yeah, I, I would not call my zone a putter. Okay. Awesome. I wouldn't either. So I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> that is, that's what I tell people all the time with the zone. It flies like a mid range. That's why the pig is superior because it flies like a putter, but that's not what for today is about. But we are going to talk about a great disc though. That is the polecat. Mm. So you got a polecat in your bag. I do. Yeah. What do you use it for? Um, I'll, I'll be honest. One of the reasons why I have a small bag is because I travel a lot for work so I can fit it in my carry on. Um, and I swap stuff in and out a lot when I'm traveling, because if I lose it, I don't care. And I got a polecat as a joke and I took it to a short wooded course in Atlanta and I threw it and I loved it. <laughs> and so it stayed in the bag. I mean, it, it was just, it was a great disc for me. If the hole was under 200 feet, I knew that I could, you know, let it go on hyzer and have it flip up to flat, or I could let it go flat and have it just that gentle right hand turn. And when it hit the ground, it just stopped. I mean, there was no skip, no nothing. And that was a hole in my bag that I didn't really have filled. I didn't even know I had that hole until I started throwing the bullpen. And now, I mean, I, I bought it for the meme. I bought it as a, um, as a charity disc from one of my friends who was raising money for pediatric cancer. And now... I carry it every time I play. Dude, that's awesome. And is it, so you have it listed as star plastic. Is it like yep. true star or is it one of the halos? No, it's true star. Dude, that's awesome. So that's a, a rarity. Uh, like you try going back pre-pandemic, even five years ago, try to find a star polecat. You're spending a chunk of change for one of those. Um, let's go back like eight years and then you could find them. So we had a polecat drought for a while. Uh, glad to see that we're, on the right side of disc golf now. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you ever use it for those? Uh, I know you talked about for like approaches being a strength of your game and you use the zone on forehand. Do you use the polecat for approaches like backhand floaty approaches at all? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and maybe it's just because I, I only got the polecat about five or six months ago and I've carried a zone for two years. I think sometimes if it's a shot where I really need to trust the disc. I'll throw the zone just because I've been throwing it for so long. Um, as I start to throw the polecat more and more, I turn to the polecat more. Um, but I think when it's something where I, like, if I look at a shot and I'm like, I only have a 50-50 shot of pulling this off, then I reach for the zone. Yeah. So, Brad, I want to ask you, because I know mm -hmm. you bag multiple zones. Um, do you have a disc? Like, you have the Dillo in your bag, right? It, it's out now. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Listen, here, I'll say this because I was just thinking about it. I'm like the lid one speed kind of game. I'm I'm debating on it, right? I, I just haven't found any comfort there. The, the glitch is gl growing on me, though. Okay. I watched my youngest son throw it all over the course the other day and shoot his best score ever. And I'm like, okay, I kind of get that. So I'm kind of getting there with the one speeds. The the Dillo was great. I loved it for the sense that it was just like stick and not move. But it really, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't grabbing it a lot. I don't think, and I, I don't really know why. 
maybe I'm just not comfortable with it to your point, Phil, but um, I, I just, I don't have that spot figured out. Maybe I just don't feel the need of it. Cause if I, if I want to throw something with confidence, I'm going to throw like um, my zone. Right. And I have yeah. different types of zones for different things. And then I also will, if I need a backhand, I'm throwing my beat in eclipse envy because I'm just confident with it. It does skip a little bit, but I know what it's going to do. It's very predictable. So it's pretty risk adverse if I throw that. Yeah. And I, I think that's where we look at the mold minimalization as well. Phil, you talked about you're just comfortable with the zone. That's, I think, one of the perks is why the polecat, even in my bag, struggled to compete for a while is because I had three different pigs. So it was like, if I want to throw an approach, there's very rarely a situation that I can't like make one of those three pigs work. And when I grab a pig, I feel so confident. Um, so I think that relationship, like you said, you're moving towards using the polecat more, even if you don't having it in there for like rainy days or whatever, like weird approaches is totally fine. And when we're competing with all, like we're looking at all these slots, I would say for approaches, you need a disc that you need a straight approach. We're really going to see this in all of the slots, an understable approach, a straight approach and an overstable approach. Uh, and the polecat, especially if you only had it for a couple months, I'd imagine it's not crazy flippy yet. Uh, but the polecat does beat in to be like a really gentle, uh, you can kind of even throw it just on a little bit of hyzer once it beats in and it'll just turn the whole way floating, which is a really fun way to get some rung up shots on the basket. Do you ever forehand your polecat? Uh, I did it once and I burned it over so hard that it took me about five minutes to find it. And uh, at that point I had started to like it. And so I never did that again. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That would, that would be my challenge with your polecat is try throwing it on. Like imagine you're throwing spike hyzers with it and get used to that line with your polecat. And I can almost promise you looking at the rest of your bag, that is a shot that's going to save you in the woods scramble game. A ton uh, is like you're pinched off. Can't really do anything. And you have like a tight gap. You got to hit the number of times my card mates have gotten mad at me because <laughs> I have done that to them with a polecat. Uh, I have a dear friend that literally one time I threw a shot like that and he was like, did <laughs> you just throw a polecat? Yes, sir. So moving on to the faith, like I said, we're not gonna spend 10 minutes on the polecat, just nine. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the faith. Is that your putting putter? That is my putting putter. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Anything to note about that or just, do you like the plastic? What light, what made you land on the faith? Um, <clears throat> I got it as a Christmas gift for my girlfriend. I had missed out on a couple mystery boxes last year. And so she made me her own mystery box and I took the faith out um, to my home course. And first three holes, I had 40 plus foot putts on all three of them. And I hit all three of the putts and I was like, all right, well, I guess this is my putter now. Um, and it's stayed in the bag ever since. <laughs> That's I used to putt with incredible. P2s. It feels okay. similar to a P2, um, but it's a mm -hmm. premium plastic. And I don't know, I just I just really like the way it feels in my hand, so that's what I stick with with putting. Dude, I love it. I'm I'm not I'm not asking any questions on it. If you're hitting forty footers with it, keep it. <laughs> keep it in the bag for sure. Uh so you got an envy in the bag. Yeah. Uh how talk to me about the relationship between your envy and your zone. So my zone is pretty much primarily a forehand. It's my disc that goes right, and I max about 150 feet with it, 175 feet. 
the envy is something that I'm a lot more comfortable putting more power into. Um, and I find that it flies a lot straighter for me. So if I'm trying to drive off the tee with a putter or throw like a 200, 225 foot straight shot with a putter, I always reach for the envy. Um, again, it's something I bought after James Conrad hit the shot because I thought, oh man, I got to give that a shot. And I don't think I could ever throw a shot like like what he threw, but it's turned into something that I, I really like to lean on as sort of, I would almost call that a halfway between a, a putter and a mid-range. I throw it in a lot of situations where when I first started playing, I would have reached for like a rock or something similar, and now I throw the envy. And I want to point out this is a fission envy too. So... Um, so with your envy and your rock, I mean, what keeps the, the rock in the bag or is the envy kind of slowly phasing the rock out of your bag? Um, so I realized after I sent that to you, um, it's just a regular DX rock. So it's not mm -hmm. the classic rock three speed. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a five speed you get at dicks. Okay. okay. Um, and I just, it's one of the first discs I ever had. And so I just constantly keep one in my bag. It's always DX. Any individual rock only stays in my bag for, I don't know, three months before they get so beat in and they're so flippy that you just move on to the next one. And it's, the rock stays in my bag, I think, almost out of nostalgia. Mm. And like if there was one disc that I would take out and replace with something else at this point, it would probably be the rock. Okay. Interesting. Okay. That's very curious okay so i want to come back to that uh because that's that's the that's the disc and the shot that we're going to compete with so mm -hmm. um very very curious on that so let's jump to your drivers for mm -hmm. a second and then we'll come back down to the challenge i think just to wrap up that like uh the putter conversation i think if we're looking at nine discs it some could consider it excessive that four of them are approaches and slower one of those has to be the putting putter. So we're fine with that. I think mm -hmm. like for pure necessity, you could either learn to putt with a premium plastic disc and putt with that. And that would open up another slot or throw your putting putter. But I'm never really going to be the guy that like encourages that, especially if you're putting with base plastic or even that like Royal sense plastic, just because it, it just gets chunked really fast. And then it feels really bad in your hand when you're putting. So, mm -hmm. Um, I think having that, and like you mentioned, your envy kind of feels like to a mid range slot. So having a stable throwing putter is super good. So when we move to the top end of the bag, you've got three drivers in there, two mm -hmm. of them on the stable to over stable side and one on the flippy side. Let's start with the Avenger SS. What's it do for you? I'm not a big arm guy. So if I let the Avenger SS go, with some hyzer um, and I have thrown the same Avenger SS for quite a while now. I, I pretty much know the angle. It just gives me the biggest distance um, that I've found that I've been able to get. I can get more on a flip up shot than I can forcing something stable, um, like throwing it on an Anheuser. Um, and to be honest, since I travel a lot, that's a disc where like I throw it a lot. And at the same time, I'm not a huge fan of it. So it's one of those discs where like if I'm throwing it over water in North Carolina and it dunks, it's like, oh, well, all right, it's gone. I'll replace it. with. And for whatever reason, it's just been like, I don't really like you, but I don't care if I lose you. So it's stayed in the bag for like a year now. And, it, and mm -hmm. 
I've, it's not a disc that I've like grown to love. I still have that same. Oh well. <laughs> I mean, I, I really can like feel you on that. I, I definitely. That's why I kept the Hades in the bag for such a long time. It's like it didn't do what I wanted it to do, but I'm okay if I lose it. If I'm yeah. trying something stupid, so yep, I get it. I feel that. I mean, I feel it more than I would like to admit. Yeah. I mean, nice. and and I've I've hit some great shots with it. But at the same time, the rock is the one mold that I would take out because I feel like there's probably other things in my bag that do the same thing. But in terms of discs that I care the least about, it would be the it would be the uh, the Avenger SS. Okay, mm-hmm. man. Let us know in the comments not only what Mountain Dew flavor you prefer, but let us know <laughs> is there a disc that you, you're trying to lose and it just won't get gone because um, <laughs> that's that's the vibe. Uh, the cannon fodder, this. if you will, of your bag. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, it was an orange eagle for me for a long time. <laughs> and I was like, I could just, I'd be like, oh, baby, time to rip this over some water. And it's like, I'm not going to throw this 375. There's no way. And then it'd just be like, oh, the Lord has blessed us with a tailwind. <laughs> and then it just keeps going. It's like, come on, brother. Mm-hmm. So, dude, absolutely love that. Well, a disc that I like have recently fallen in love with that I think you could look at it to compete with the Avenger SS is if you want something in that super flippy spot, especially being a woods golfer, I love what you're talking about with that, like flip up straight shot, probably easier to navigate the woods for distance with that. If you haven't checked out a sale by DGA, I think it is low key slept on the higher speed of the sale honestly for slower arms balances itself out for the super flippiness of the sale. Um, and they just glide forever. You can find them in 150 class all the way up to max weight. Um, so definitely check that one out when your Avenger SS decides to finally (laughs) jump ship and leave you. Uh, and you can find sales like everywhere, especially Mm -hmm. at possibly foundationdisc.com. Yeah. We got a few right there. Um, okay, so moving over to the stable side, you've got a TL3 and an FD3. Mm-hmm. FD3, talk to me about that because that's that's it. Is it? I'm assuming in an Innova original, or is that one of like have they dropped new FD3s? Uh, I just got it out of a Discmania mystery box this Christmas. So okay. the answer is I, I don't know. <laughs> um, and I've been bagging a Firebird for a while, and. Honestly, I just threw that in just to try it. I figured it, it, it felt fairly similar. Um, and it's it's really just a very overstable utility disc um, that I use when I need to make a hard right or left turn. And especially if I want to do that and also get more of a skip than I would get out of my zone. Um, so I don't throw it often. And I mean, I feel like any overstable disc could, could fill that slot. I'm not... I'm not married to the FD3. Totally. But I'm with you on the need for it, especially as a slower arm. This would be in a previous episode with Casey. We talked about like giving her a Zeus. I think it was for that, like a little faster than necessarily you're trying to get a standard flight out of, but the utility you talked about. Perfect. Mm -hmm. TL three, not a popular mold, but you got one. I don't know why I have a ton. I love the TL three. Um, okay. when I first started playing and I was trying to learn to throw a forehand, I 
bought a Halloween Halo one from my local disc store, and I loved it. Um, I lost it. I've replaced it a couple times, but I feel like for my arm speed, I wouldn't really call that overstable. I find it more of just a straight flyer, and it's a disc where if I have to throw something where I need it on Anheuser and I know it's going to fade back, I'll, it'll do that for me. Um, it's... It's a very reliable disc. I think the Halo plastic keeps it maybe a little more overstable as it breaks in, but I love throwing that disc. Okay. Mm-hmm. So would you say it's probably one of the more, more or most thrown discs in your bag? It's definitely, like, in terms of, especially where I play, like, I, I would say that that's a, probably my most common drive with a disc at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got a question too. You mentioned you had your local courses like high, heavily wooded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, does that course have a lot of like right to left shot shapes? Um, it's it's pretty evenly balanced between right to left and left to right. Um, they did a pretty good job. The it was built in phases, and so I think the first phase was probably all right to left, and then they realized they needed some other shapes. And so it, it's it's got a pretty good balance of having to go both sides. Okay. Just interesting interesting looking at your bag. There's a lot of I mean, your bag is a lot more on the like stable to overstable side than I'd expect someone that describes their game like you to be. So that, I was just curious. I mean, yeah. I, I think the other thing is a lot of the discs that I have I've had for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I think the stability, they're very beaten in. And so I think the stability for a lot of these discs probably isn't what it looks like on that chart. Yeah, that makes sense too. Totally fair. So with that being said, I, I'm with you on the TL3. I think the TL3, like I said, I don't understand why it's not as popular. I think it's because it competes with like, yeah, there were just discs that more pros were putting in their bag. I think Bradley Williams might be a pro that currently does bag a TL3. Um, could be way off on that, but it is, yeah, it's a great disc. I, yeah, anytime that I talk about fairways, even when I think about going to my end of the, like, in the bag, the TL3 fans came after me about it. <laughs> so I'm with you. Great disc. Halo Plastic does add some extra stability to it, which gives it that flexibility option so that you can even put it on a little more hyzer so that you don't have to jump to the FD3. Um, Because in this nine-disc bag, we want flexibility with our discs and having a lot of shots. So that brings us back to the mid-ranges, which is a spot that if we're looking at the chart, like you said, you've got a lot of discs that have been in there for a while, but on the, and Brad hinted at this as well, on the understable side of things, not a lot of options in your bag until you go all the way up to the Avenger SS. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask like on that, like backhand turnover shot, do you throw that shot a lot or is it just something that like never really found the need for because most often at your home courses, you can make a forehand work. Uh, I think a lot of it is if that's a shot I need, I could usually make a, a forehand with the zone work. I mean, my course, my home course has maybe two or three holes that are longer than 400 feet. And it's very rare that I'm not getting 200 feet off the tee. And if if I'm if I hit first available, then you know I'm I'm, I'm in jail either way. Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's under 200 feet, I can generally get a forehand zone approach that will get me into like comfortable putting range. Um, so I just haven't 
not that I can't throw it. I just haven't had to throw or have a disc that would let me reliably throw that like mid-range backhand turnover shot very often. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's that's the area that we're targeting today. And I want to tell you, before we get there, there's one disc we haven't talked about, and it's this Glow MD3 that you've got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk talk to us about that. So I'd never thrown an MD3, and I actually got that disc from Harry Chase, who's on Team Disc Mania. Um, okay. He's a local pro at my course. Um, and so I got that disc from him. And it sort of felt similar. I've, I've had different discs in that hole. I've had a Buzz. I've had a Hex. Um, but I don't know. I just started throwing the MD3, and, and I just felt like, Compared to my buzz and my hex, I could put maybe five or ten percent more power on that without it turning over too hard on me. Um, okay. So I just like the way that that has felt, and so that's sort of why that that has slotted into that that role in the bag. Yeah. So what shot shapes does it offer for you? Um, it's one that I use. I can let it go flatter, a little bit of Anheuser, and it just stays straight. Um, it's my go-to for like, if I have a tee shot, that's anywhere from like 200 to 250 feet, like that's generally what I'll use to try to get myself in circle one. Um, and it's just one that I feel like it's very, if I let it go with a little too much hyzer, it doesn't burn over too hard. And if I let it go on a little too much anhyzer, it doesn't take that and just fly to the right. So I just feel like it's, it's a little more forgiving as well. So if I screw up my angle or I'm two nose up, it's, it's not going to hurt me too bad. Okay. Does it have any stability to it? Like, can you, if you throw it on hyzer, is it going to get left? Yes. Yeah, it will. Okay. Awesome. Well, Brad, we had you try two discs a day and then we honestly had you try three because mm-hmm. I saw this MD three and uh, I, Phil, I'll be honest, I did a little Facebook stalking. So I knew there was, uh, or Instagram stalking, I knew there was a connection to the to the rock. Uh, and so I didn't come in ready to fight the rock itself. Uh, I assumed the MD3 might be the one more easily to go. But it sounds like if the rock's the one to go, this could work out really well because you might be able to keep the MD3. But we're going to see. So Brad, you tried... What all did you try today? All right. I tried the, um, I'm going to set up link. I'm sorry. That's like a Freudian slip probably for what we're talking about. But uh, I tried the Origin, the Night Prowl 2 specifically. Um, tried the Sve, the Svea. Sorry for all those who speak Swedish. And then the uh, MD3. I threw against all those. That's kind of a control, if you will, in the experiment. Okay. So, uh Talk us, I gave you a prompt that I was like, hey, Brad, when you go out today, I need you to throw with this in mind. Talk us through that mm-hmm. prompt and kind of like yeah. what the field work session functioned like. Yeah, it was, it's kind of funny. I, I was like seeing this all play out, but Robbie w- said, which I don't think you've ever really said to me before, what, but you were like, hey, when you're throwing these, I want you to concentrate on what you think you can use, like get the most shots out of or the most versatility from. Now this makes sense because you have, you're carrying a small bag. So we want a disc that can do multiple things. Um, so yeah, so what I kind of did was um, kind of my normal experiment, throw it uh, flat, throw it on Ian Heiser, throw it on Heiser. But something I also 
I guess what's kind of nice is the wind today. I threw in a lot of wind, but it kind of also made me conscious of like, oh, if I was in the wind, would I throw this? If there's a tailwind, if you know, so there's some other elements that came into it. I also experimented with like power. So like how much power I was giving these discs as I threw them. I gave myself a little extra time today. So I kind of like tested a bunch of variables um, in the field that I was throwing in. There was a lacrosse net that I pretended was like the the circle like circle one basically where i was trying to get to and i was like pretending i was in different scenarios so i kind of walked through a bunch of different shot types and shapes today okay so looking at the origin in the svea uh talk to me about hand feel okay um i i mean i like them both the the svea the svi is a little deeper and definitely has like this like micro bead at the bottom if our visual listener listeners can see that um the origin was really comfortable because it it was a little shallower but it reminds me of the uplink which i'm already comfortable with so like that felt a little little comfortable has like a small groove but um this is the meta plastic and it feels really good like it's not too soft not too stiff um md3 um honestly the reason i have a problem i've tried the md3 before personally um, I just don't feel like I have a lot of grip with my finger on the MD3, if I'm being honest. I like the depth. I like the shape, but th- I just feel like my finger slips off the end of it. Uh, Phil, have you tried either a Svea or an Origin in the past? I, I have not even held either one of those discs now. Interesting. Okay. Have you they, held any Casta? No, I've never played with any Casta Plast. Hmm. Okay. Curious. Curious. Interesting. <laughs> So, okay, so Brad, you threw these. We're looking at this MD3. You heard Phil kind of describe it. It's uh, throw a little Landheiser. It's going to go straight. Throw a flat. It's going to go straight. Going to still have a little bit of a left finish. Is that for the control? Is that about how the MD3 felt for you today? Yeah, and it's a green one. We know the green sea line, what the rumor is on that. It, it does have a touch of overstability to it. I mean, not probably exactly what Phil's describing for his glow. I would say pretty straight, little finish at the end. Uh, I could give it a little Anheuser. It would come back to straight, finish a little bit at the end. If I kept it on Heiser, it would keep the Heiser line the whole time and give me a little finish. So I think it's pretty – is that kind of what yours is, Phil? Is that, would you say it's pretty accurate? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. So I think we have a good control this time, so that makes me excited. Dude, come on. Okay, so comparing that to the Origin and the Svea mm-hmm. – I guess really, let's just jump to the heart of the question. If the MD3 was going to be sticking around, what do you feel like opens up more shot opportunities between the Svea and the Origin and why? Um, I think the Origin, and I say the Origin, I don't know that every Origin, I don't think this applies to your standard XO Origin or whatever, but this particular meta, this Night Prowl 2, what was nice about it is I could get it to turn pretty easily, but it was not burning over to the right. It wasn't like turning into a roller. Um, I could hyzer flip it pretty easily to make it go straight. Um, it was very shapeable, I guess maybe I'll call it that, whereas the Svea was more like it wanted to go right kind of no matter what. Again, it wasn't burning over on me, um, but I definitely couldn't throw it with as much power, as much torque as I could the Meta Origin. So, was, yeah, the Origin just had, I felt like had more options. Um, I, 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 I'll say this. I wasn't afraid to try the different shots because I knew it wasn't going to, like, have some 
crazy reaction to the right for me on right hand backhand. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. And and a future episode, well, I'll have to get you to do, Brad, is try a regular origin as well. Because I think Phil, looking at this, if we like, if we go with the origin, if that's one you're interested in, then I think the beauty is if you throw it and you're like, hey, it is a little more stable, and it's like it. I'm finding too many holes that I'm flirting between. Like, do I throw my uh, MD3 on Annie or do I throw like the flat uh, origin moving to a Neo origin or a exo soft or whatever origin you immediately, if you like the feel of it in your hands, a simple plastic change like this origin is as an origin thrower can confirm on the overstable side of origins. Mm -hmm. So you can easily move down the scale I'm not as familiar with this Faya. Is the one you're throwing? Is it base plastic? Is that like K1 or this is K, this is K3 hard? Okay. So so yeah, definitely the uh, on the base. And now I'd be curious for the K1 or K1 soft, like how that would compare to the Meta Origin. But definitely, they definitely feel different. I think it it just feels a little bit more understable than the Origin, personally. Yeah, and the Origin is another one that like you cannot trust the flight numbers on. Because when you look at the flight numbers of an origin, it says it's the exact same flight numbers as a buzz. And Phil, you've thrown a buzz. So if you get this origin, I can promise you. <laughs> it's not going to fly like a buzz. <laughs> yeah, we ain't in Kansas anymore. So yeah, it's quite different. So Brad, I guess final question would be, you, you have the uplink as well. Like you said, mm-hmm. you're familiar with the uplink. We've talked about like the uplink being this, it's, it's a proper understable mid range. Mm-hmm. How does the origin live in relation to the uplink? And if you had a nine disc bag, mm-hmm. like pros and cons of having one or the other in that slot. Um, so if I had a nine disc bag, I would probably bag the origin and that hurts me to say because I love my uplink, um, but it's just for the simple reason of the uplink. I really only I feel like I only have two shots with. Um, it's really and really only one that I primarily use. One's just kind of like a get out of jail once every once in a while shot. But the uplink is my like I can give it a little hazard on to super power it over and it'll flip up and turn right. There, no effort effortless turn is what I use my uplink for a slow effortless turn. And then like my get out of jail, if I need to do like a flip up forehand that still goes left and I'm like pinched off by trees, like that's the disc I'm going to use. But that's really the, that's what I keep that disc in my bag for. Now I use it a lot, but that's what I keep it in for. The origin, I feel like the origin is kind of what I feel like I want the mind bender to be that I have in my bag, if I'm being honest, that kind of lives between that slightly overstable mid range and the understable mid range where I feel like I can hit it with a little bit more power. It's not going to burn over to the right on me, but I can still get it to turn. Or I can actually give it a little bit of oomph on hyzer and have it flip up and carry remotely straight. And which the uplink, I can't really hit with a lot of power. And sometimes I try, and then it results very poorly for me. <laughs> so um, I have to always remember, like, control. Uh, the uplink's a, a great disc for that to really just humble you and re- let you know what you're doing wrong. Uh, in the same way, the inner core is like that too. I would argue where it's it's very sensitive to like nose angle and power, and it really teaches you 
that shot shaper shot shaping so um but yeah for my if i had a nine disc bag i'm putting the origin in there the meta again i haven't thrown the like exo origin or any of the neo origin or anything like that so i would have to throw those but this one definitely kind of fits that slot that i would be looking for come on awesome well phil if we sent you this origin would you be willing to come back on and uh talk about it in a future episode yeah definitely Dude. okay Awesome. Come on. Well, I, I, as an origin lover, uh, it is another disc that I just, I was looking for something in that slot that consistently could turn over. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because I just felt like Innova really struggles with this slot. When I came out of an Innova bag, it was like this gaping hole that I struggled to find. And the origin helped me in that slot. So I hope it helps you with some options as well, man. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to having you on for a reunion episode. I enjoyed this episode, and thank you for having a unique bag and be willing to come on and talk about it. Yeah, we appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for having me on. It was great. Yep. All right, Phil. Well, thanks. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. Man, I, I'm just, I, I said it at the beginning. I really think this is an episode, mm-hmm. y'all, that I will come back to as a reference point, sending to people quite often just for having that variety of shots. And if you really think about it, there was not one disc that I think we talked about probably the most, uh, I don't know, restricted disc mm-hmm. was the FD three. Yeah. Right. Just because of its overstability. Mm-hmm. But thinking about the fact you have in forehand and backhand, there's not one disc in his bag that we're trying to use for simply one singular shot. So if you're going to have that limited bag, I think that's great. But yeah, well, and I think too, what's interesting, like it's probably an approach I wish I would have had first. So, uh, cause I think what I, if I was like labeling my like quote unquote journey on this, it would be, I bought a bunch of discs I shouldn't have bought and they were just kind of all over like this chart. Right. So a bunch of discs I shouldn't have yeah. bought. Then I was like, Oh, I should think about like stability. I know what stability is. And Oh, now I know my arm speed's low. I know what that means. So then I started to like kind of do what he did and like condense my bag and like condense the molds, figure out like what I liked. And now basically as I'm, I'm going to call myself a, um, a toddler bag, if you will, not a baby anymore where I'm like, okay, here's my core shots that I need. Here's the ones I can double up or do different plastic types to kind of mold minimalize and give myself a little like um, minutia in between shots, if you will. So now I don't just have a understable, stable, overstable now i have like a really understable and then like a slightly understable and now a very neutral you know what i mean so i think that's kind of the journey i'm on now and i think for any of you who are either just starting or like hey i gotta figure out like what i even throw or what my next step is i think this approach is good so like i mean if you have the option to carry you know 10 discs or something like that even like yeah because i mean 10 would really realistically give you a putting putter three approach slash mid ranges that do those options fairways and drivers or mix a mix of those i think that's probably a good approach i could be wrong yeah no i i think that's fantastic and i i really do i think a lot of people carry too many discs and have to make too many decisions on the course you could if you're struggling in your disc golf game right now take this episode build your get better bag and cut down what you're using and just notice see if you go play around and you're like oh i feel like i'm missing shots because i always throw these discs on these Mm -hmm. lines or are you missing shots because like 
you actually need the other shots and these discs that you have can't can't catch yeah. those so very interesting but as you may bring your bag down you may realize oh i need a new mm. disc and one of the best places to find that is foundationdisc.com yeah. brad what's new in the warehouse so not a whole lot going on as far as disc releases at the moment obviously we have the huge like six claw release we have the huge simon hex release or the lazado if you will uh, hex release so that's all kind of calming down now we do have some other manufacturers like um where uh, Mint Discs um, released the new GOAT. Those will be coming in. They may be in Friday when you're listening to this. I'm not sure. You'll have to check the website. We have chargers in. Um, a lot of uh, ESP Flex still from Discraft, so make sure you check those out. They feel great. Um, they fly great, so definitely check those out. But not a lot of new items in the warehouse. Um, but as we get toward next week, we're going to, again, just be looking at the recently restocked page on our site all the time. We're going to have Lone Star in. We're going to have, um, uh, we, we do have a gateway restock, but we're going to have new Mint. We're going to have new um, Discraft. We're going to have new Trilogy. We're going to have new Innova. I mean, it's all coming out. Like it, You can tell the manufacturers are ramping back up. So hang with us this week. Check out recently restock for some like stock molds and new plastics and things like that. Uh, make sure you pick up extras because it's about to be spring and we're going to lose a bunch of discs because we've been we've been oh, held yeah. up in the winter and now we're going to go out and fling and because we forgot how to play disc golf. So <laughs> make sure to check those out. Um, so yeah, that's really all that's new in the warehouse right now, Robbie. Um, something I do want to point out though, um, Patreon. If you're not a Patreon subscriber or a patron at the moment make sure you check that out so we're kind of running out this is really your last weekend to really jump on board we're, we're doing yeah. anyone who does a annual membership starting in january now um you're going to automatically be put in for our um our annual disc our custom disc that only our patrons are going to be able to have access to so make sure you check that out um the bigger thing is if you go above that ten dollar tier you're actually going to get an invite we're holding a tournament here in lynchburg for Heiser Club patrons only. And everyone's going to have the option to come in, compete, and someone's going to be crowned the Heiser Club champion. You can take that trophy home and brag to it. Probably put your uh, plaque up on the wall as the first Heiser Club champion here at the studio. And, I mean, you got bragging rights for a whole year. That's that's pretty cool. Inaugural. Yeah, inaugural. Presidential. Champion. The President's Cup, if you will. It just said, The cup has Hunter's face on it. So you may have to deal with that. Hey, you know, I... As someone who had an opportunity to win a cup provided by foundation and struggled to do so because Hunter balled out that day. Don't be me guys. Yeah. The be boy better. was on fire. So be better. Um, yeah. So check that out. And Hey, um, next episode is episode 40, Robbie. I can't believe it. We're hitting, f- we're becoming a middle-aged man next episode. Wow. It's pretty leaving our yeah exactly so my my thought for that episode and we can do a normal episode for episode 40 uh, but what i want to ask you all our listeners um great opportunity i sent robbie the other day a um my disc golf bag of my bag when i first started and my bag now is that something you all want to hear do you want to hear a 40 episodes and how far have we come episode do you want to hear robbie and i talk about like the differences what i've learned what he's learned how we've learned in the podcast together. Do you want to hear that kind of episode? Or do you want to say, hey, we don't want to hear you guys talk about you. We want to bring on another guest. That's fine too. So let us know. Let us know in the comments what you want to hear for the next episode. For sure. Absolutely. So I, uh, yeah, it's just been really a fun journey as we've come through. We've learned a lot along the way. And 
I think we're, we're more honed in at giving advice and we're also having the opportunity to go back and say, Hey, we talked about this, but to save y'all's ears, go listen yeah. to that episode. Yeah. Uh, and so, cause we've given a lot of advice and I think there's still obviously a lot of advice mm-hmm. to give, uh, something I know a lot of y'all were worried about at the beginning of this was what happens on episode, what happens on episode 40, mm-hmm. like they're going to find five slots and boom, the show's over. So we hope that hasn't been the case. Uh, and if there's things we can do to keep improving, please yep, let us know. Absolutely. Well, hey, Robbie, I think the one thing we've learned and the one thing we continue to say on this podcast is if it's good. Keep it in the bag. We'll see you guys. Episode 40. See you all. Thank you.